Would you open God's precious holy word to Numbers chapter 8? The work of God continues in not just assembling. He called them out from where they were. He separated them from everybody else and then began to give them his direction, his word, the presence of who he is in the Holy of Holies, that he would be with them. He has given to them a land of promise. It was made, the deed was made a long time before the book of Numbers. And so now they are gathered as a great nation to make their march toward the promised land. And we've seen already in the first seven chapters the organizing of the people, getting them ready for the march. Warriors, worship leaders, administrative servants, and so forth. The next lesson here is that God chooses his leadership. None of this is left to the devices of man. It is God who does it. Great lessons all the way through this for the church. But we've come here then to Numbers 8, the consecration of the Levites. So let's consider it. I think I have it in three divisions here. The first part is the golden lampstand. So here is the tabernacle, the first room is the holy place. Just before you go into the entrance is the laver of cleansing. On the outer part of the outside court is the brazen altar. That's where people of course would be cleansed when they would come into their time of, of worship and their praise of the Lord and their offering sacrifices and so forth. So then here is the holy place and the great veil behind which is the holy of holies. Now the high priest and his sons are the only ones who were allowed into those places. They had the job of attending to the, we'll call it the furniture, in the holy place. And only the high priest himself could go into the holy of holies once a year. So we'll start in with the holy of holies. Behind the veil, there was the Ark of the Covenant, rather simple. Come out from there to the holy place. There are three primary pieces of furniture. The first one that's just outside the veil would be the altar of incense. This was symbolic of the prayers of the people of God going into his nostrils. There was a special formula for the incense that's given book of Exodus. It offered a sweet smelling savor. 
the priests inside that holy place had to attend to that altar of incense. Then to one side would be the table of bread, the showbread, 12 loaves. And the loaves were updated all along. They were for a special use. On the other side, the menorah, the lampstand, the golden lampstand. You may or may not recall from our study in Exodus how meticulous the description of the construction of the tabernacle was. And the material that was used in the construction of the tabernacle was heavy, thick material, and there were no windows. So if the priesthood went in, if, if the priests went in to attend to their duties, if not for the golden lampstand, they couldn't see. When the tabernacle was dedicated, back over in the book of Exodus, the presence of the Lord came down, fire was there, fire on the altar was lit up. However, Yahweh did not personally attend to the lighting of the lampstand. This was the job of the high priest and his sons, the menorah. Six branches, one shaft in the middle, seven lamps. The place where the olive oil would be stored and the wicks would go up from there. And it was the job, the duty, part of the special ministry of these priests, the high priest and his sons, to attend to those wicks and the oil, morning and night, morning and evening. The light had to constantly shine in that dark place. It was the job of these priests. If they did not light this thing and keep it lit, there would be no light inside this place that was otherwise pitch dark. So with that in mind, let's look at this. Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, very interesting, very important. Yahweh spoke to Moses. This is all from Yahweh. Speak to Aaron and say to him, when you light the lamps, the seven lamps shall cast their light toward the face of the menorah. Now, the instruction is to arrange the menorah so that its light goes outward toward the whole room, the holy place. And Aaron did so. He lit the lamps toward the face of the menorah as Yahweh had commanded Moses. This was the form of the menorah, hammered work of gold uh, from its base to its flower and its hammered work according to the form that Yahweh had shown Moses, so did he construct the menorah. Those instructions were given back in the book of Exodus. It weighed about 75 pounds. It was a beautiful piece of work. 
it had to shine all the time. A great responsibility. No one could see these priests in that room doing what they did before Yahweh except Yahweh. But it was as important as anything else that the people were told to do. As a matter of fact, you and I have the luxury, the pleasure of being able to stand in a day when the word of God has been completed. Especially the book of Hebrews when we talk about this stuff. But we can know that this illustrates the coming Christ and the light of the world and how there has to be special attention to doing what we are ordained and called to do so that that light is always shining. And the ones who head up that work were chosen by God, selected by God. It wasn't up for a vote of any kind. God calls his leaders. God designates them, God separates them. And God gives them the instruction. And Yahweh expects them, of course, to do the work that he has instructed them to do. And it doesn't matter that the rest of Israel couldn't see what they were doing. That doesn't matter. The important thing is they were in obedience to Yahweh. And of course, this is the crux of Christian work. We have something to do. We're told in the book of Ephesians that we're saved by grace into good works. So the power of the Holy Spirit that saves us and separates us in that regeneration, we receive and we don't even probably think about it. It just becomes part of who we are. And we have divinely given resources. We have spiritual gifts and we have an unction in our lives as Christians to perform service in a certain way. And not every, not every time we do something that we are directed by Yahweh to do, by our Lord to do, are we seen by everybody else in doing it. But that doesn't matter. What matters is that Yahweh has called us, has separated us, has equipped us, has resourced us to do something. I do something in my service to Christ. All the other stuff I can't do. You are to do something and all the other stuff you can't do. Hey, listen, the Levites, and we'll see them in just a second, but the Levites are selected by God to assist the high priest and his sons in the ministry. The high priest and his sons are the directors. They're the, they're the ones in general charge. But there is so much to do. The Levites are selected and chosen by God to perform all of the other tasks that are supportive to what the high priest is doing. There was no great glory or reward in being a high priest 
or a member of the family of the high priest. Nor was there any shame or degradation in being a Levite. It's all the same thing. It's God separating his people according to his will and his pleasure. To give to us each something that we're to do in the overall work and worship of Yahweh. As important as it was to have soldiers to fight battles against those who would seek to come in and destroy the people of God, it was so as important to have worship leaders who could keep the people reminded of the spiritual nature of their existence. They're the people of God, the one and only God. The day of atonement, the great day, when the sins of all of Israel were declared forgiven. What a wonderful, happy day. The high priest, of course, would attend to that. And only he could do it. The other ministering responsibilities, the high priest and his sons in the holy place, And then connecting that with the people would be the ministry of the Levites. And we've already seen how part of their work as Levites was to take down the tabernacle according to instructions whenever it was time to move. And when it was time to stop, to erect the tabernacle, put it back up. And each of a subset of Levites had specific tasks that they were to do. And of course, this is very, if they didn't do what they did, then the high priest and his sons couldn't do what they did. And if they didn't do what they did, then the people of God would not be able to access via worship and sacrifice Uh, the worship of the tabernacle itself, the sacrifices and the rituals that were given. All right, so here, special instruction about the golden lampstand. How it was to shine its light in such a way that the whole room was seen and visible. Next instruction here, as God is winding down on the organization of the people, getting them ready for the march toward the promised land, is the purification of uh, the Levites. Now, Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, take the Levites. I I can tell you from personal experience, and you should know from whatever it is that you do in the work of God in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, There is a forceful and primary unction to serve in a specific and special way. And this makes you happy. It may be one thing or another, but that one thing or the other is what gives you satisfaction. It may be something that's public and seen by everybody. It may be something that isn't that public. And yet one is just as important as the other 
For if the one isn't performed, then the other couldn't be performed. And by the wisdom of the Lord and the cornerstone of the church, who is Christ himself, we're brought together in such a way. It has been my observation. You know, the, the Apostle Paul said, I have learned how to be abased and how to abound. And whatsoever state I'm in, therewith to be content, to be happy, whether I'm abounding or whether I am abased. This is my fifth pastorate. Since 1978, it's the sixth church in which I have ministered since 1976. But more so in my time as a pastor, I would see people come and go. They're very troubling to a younger pastor. I've learned just do what you're supposed to do and God will take care of the details. But struggling early on, and my, this is the longest tenured pastor I've ever had, but they've all been fairly long tenures. The other four, four, something. And uh, in those years, you know, I, I used to say you could take a picture of me from the baptistry and everybody that was out there on the first day that I served, and then take a picture from the baptistry on the last day before I left to a, for another church. And there's a whole different group, bunch of people. And it's troublesome, you know, to the heart of a pastor. Oh, what have I done? I don't know what I've done. You know, you take all this responsibility, I've, I've made them mad. Now, when you get crusty and old like I am, you just don't care. If you honestly feel like you're serving the Lord the best way you can, then you just say, well, here's a quarter, call somebody who cares, right? No, of course I care. But I came to realize over the years that those people, many of them, when they left and they'd go to another church, they were needed in a special way and in service were just not really... It wasn't that necessary if they were needed in special ways in other places. But God would replace them with other people who were, whose special gifts and abilities were desperately needed in the church where I happened to be pastor. I've just observed that over the years. At least that's, that's my personal theology and I can, I can get a whipping about that at the judgment seat if I'm wrong. But God calls us into service and ministry. So we're not our own. Not in any level from the high priest to the laity and the ones in between who were the Levites. It was by the command of Yahweh. Take the Levites from among the sons of Israel and cleanse them. So they had to be separated and cleansed. They had to be set apart, sanctified, if you will, for their particular service. This is what you shall do to them so as to cleanse them. Sprinkle them with cleansing water, pass a razor over all of their flesh, 
And then they shall wash their garments and cleanse themselves. And they had special garments to wear. And then they shall take a young bull with its meal offering, fine flour mingled with oil. You shall take a second young bull as a, as a sin offering. Then you shall bring the Levites in front of the tent of meeting. Okay. So when all, this is the initiate, this is the inauguration of this. So the Levites, those men who were from, from the age of 25 to 50, especially those, the, that was the age that was given their years of service. They would be brought here in the inauguration of this in front of the whole congregation of Israel so that the people could see they have been set apart, their cleansing rituals and ceremonies have been attended to, their sacrifices have been made required for them because even the ones whom God serves on this side of heaven are still sinners and we still need the forgiveness of the Lord and atonement. So then they would come out, entire congregation gathered, verse 10. You shall bring the Levites before Yahweh, and the sons of Israel shall lay their hands upon the Levites. The laying on of hands is something that is seen practically all the way through the Bible, even into the New Testament. It is the people of God coming to the special the especially separated for a particular purpose, servants of God, in the laying on of hands to declare to those who are being ordained into this service, you are going, you are separated by God to go in my behalf. So, when, for example, when, uh, when uh, Paul and Barnabas were separated at Antioch to go on the first missionary journey. The church separated them from everybody else and the church came and laid hands on them. You are going in our behalf. We can't all go, but we will support you financially and prayerfully in every other way we can as you go in our behalf, having been separated and called by God Almighty to do this. So really... The ordination, as it is depicted here, the separation is, number one, separated by God for a special service before the Lord, and number two, in that special service, going in behalf of the people. Now, not everybody could do what the Levites were called to do. So the sons of Israel laid their hands upon the Levites. Then Israel shall lift up the Levites as a waving before Yahweh on behalf of the sons of Israel. I have that in red. On behalf of the sons of Israel, waving them in the presence of Yahweh. They are in our behalf. That they may, be, that they may serve in Yahweh's service. So this is, this is the understanding. This is the agreement. You have the laity, you have the Levites, and you have the high priest and his sons and the overall work of the tabernacle and the worship of the people and the blessing of Yahweh upon his people. And they all had something to do. Everybody had a work. 
the concentrate, the focus here is on the Levites, that they may serve in Yahweh's service. The Levites shall lay their hands on the heads of the bulls and make one as a sin offering, one as a burnt offering to Yahweh to atone for the Levites. You shall present the Levites before Aaron and his sons and lift them as a waving before Yahweh. So now the focus is upon the bond that exists between Aaron and his sons and the Levites. We just did it for the congregation of Israel and the Levites and now Aaron and his sons and the Levites. They are doing what they do in our behalf. The high priest and his sons couldn't do everything that the Levites were supposed to do. Thousands and thousands of sacrifices from among those millions of people in that camp uh, on a daily basis probably. Uh, The constant attending uh, to the things of, of worship and the rituals of sacrifice. So they're in behalf of the people. They're in behalf of the of the sons of Aaron and Aaron. Then you shall set apart the Levites from the midst of the sons of Israel and the Levites shall become mine. Now we've already seen and we're going to see it again that the Levites are taken in substitute for the firstborn. Back in the book of Exodus, God required the firstborn to be his among Israel. And so the accommodation is made that the Levites will be seen by Yahweh as the firstborn of of those families of Israel, the tribes of Israel. So the Levites shall become mine. So their lives then are dedicated as though they were the firstborn. They are dedicated for all of their lives to serving Yahweh in this priesthood. In this service. Following this, the Levites shall come to serve in the tent of meeting, the tabernacle. You shall cleanse them and lift them as a waving, for they are wholly given over to me from among the sons of Israel. Instead of those that opened the womb, all the firstborn of Israel, I have taken them for myself. For all the firstborn of, uh, among the sons of Israel are mine whether man or beast, since the day I smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. I have sanctified them for myself. And I have taken the Levites instead of all of the firstborn of the sons of Israel. Now, verse 19. I, I have that in red, I. This is Yahweh who does this. He separates people to serve. He equips. There's no happenstance with God. I have given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and his sons from among the sons of Israel to perform the service for the sons of Israel in the tent of meeting and to atone on behalf of the sons of Israel so that the sons of Israel will not be inflicted with plague when they approach the sanctuary. In worship of the Lord and in abeyance to the word of God, we understand that we are sinners, that we are flawed, and God had made a way for them to bring a sacrifice, one of five different kinds for various purposes. And they would come and do this, and they, they of course, could not be allowed to approach the tabernacle 
without producing what was necessary to make the understanding that they were unworthy and only obedience to the instruction of God would make them worthy. Namely, in their case, the various sacrifices. The Levites here were required, as you just saw, to make a sin offering and to make a burnt offering. A sin offering, of course, is to express I'm a sinner and I, I can't forgive myself. And this, this pure, carefully selected bullock is me. This is me. And I want to put it there as it's slain and its blood is spilled and the sacrifice is made for me and my sins are on the sacrifice. The sacrifice is perfect. Thus it can receive the flaws of who I am, my life. The priesthood would direct and assist in these rituals. But here the, the Levites would first give their sin offering and then a burnt offering. Now the burnt offering is the offering of ourselves in complete service to Yahweh. I, I belong to you, Yahweh. I'm not my own. And I'm dedicating my life and my service. That was the burnt offering. Um, so here, they then would minister in the same kind of way in behalf of the people so that the people would not be inflicted with plague when they approached the sanctuary. They had to acknowledge the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man and that only by God's way can we come into the presence of God. So Moses, Aaron, and the entire congregation of Israel did this to the Levites. The sons of Israel did in accordance with all that Yahweh had instructed Moses regarding the Levites. The Levites cleansed themselves and washed their clothes. Then Aaron lifted them as a waving before Yahweh, and Aaron atoned for them to cleanse them. Now, of course, before that, there was a provision for Aaron and his sons to be cleansed as well, but that's another part. After that, the Levites came to perform the service in the tent of meeting uh, before Aaron and before his sons, and they did to them just as Yahweh had commanded Moses regarding the Levites. Now, in Numbers 4 and in Numbers 8, there are two different ages that are mentioned for the beginning of the service of Levites. One is the age of 25 and the other is the age of 30. That's not really a discrepancy. What it is, we are, we are told that um, the, the young Levites had to spend five years in training before they were released on their own. Think about that, five years. The sacrificial system the meaning of the furniture and the tabernacle, the relationship between Yahweh and his people, the various altars, the rituals, the sacrifices, all of these things, they, they had deep meaning. And it was the job of the Levites 
to teach and preach that meaning to the worshipers when they would come and make their sacrifices. So what the Bible teaches us is that there was, there was a, a five-year a five period of training. Before then, at the age of 30, they were released to serve on their own without oversight. So they did just as Yahweh had commanded Moses regarding the Levites. Now we get to this age limits. Yahweh spoke to Moses. This is the rule concerning the Levites from the age of 25 years and upwards. Now in Numbers 4, that's what I said earlier. It was the age of 30. But here, 25. He shall enter. You see what it says? He shall enter the service to work in the tent of meeting. So in the entry, he would spend those five years in entering the service. I would say probably that an average pastor who goes to the seminary and goes all the way through a doctoral program, having gone to the seminary already with a bachelor's degree, will spend about five years in the seminary uh, to, to study all kinds of various things. In, in the Southern Baptist seminaries, generally speaking, it, it mostly attends to the Bible and the divisions of the Bible, how the Bible is given and, and the various outlines of the Bible how to deliver messages from the Bible, and then ending it with uh, uh, the, the doctrinal persuasions that we have, separating scriptures into the doctrines. Um, and then um, for, and some of this would be, would be how a pastor wanted to choose electives, but some of them choose counseling, and some of them choose higher study in Greek and Hebrew and so forth. But about five years and sometimes six, if it's, a, if it's a, a doctor of ministry, five years. If it's a PhD, maybe seven or eight years total. So these guys were hands-on, five years, and they were every day engaged in assisting this work for those five years. Now, verse 25, from the age of 50, he shall retire from the work legion and do no more work. He shall minister with his brethren in the tent of meeting to keep the charge, but he shall not perform the service. Thus you shall do for the Levites regarding their charge. So there was still, there was still some supportive work they could continue in after the age of 50. But generally they were expected to retire and there were those cities that were separated later on, not now, but later on for uh, the priesthood, though, though the Levites did not have a portion of land that belonged to the Levites like Judah and Benjamin and the rest of them, in each of the lands of the tribes, there were cities, there were places designated for the Levites to live. And so uh, when he would retire, uh, if, if, he was, if he was not specifically needed to assist in a diminished way after the age of 50, he would go into one of those cities and he would have a place that could be his as, as long as he lived and to retire there. So what do we get from this part? Well, I think we've already covered it. God is in absolute control of the work of his people. This is, this is a chapter of divine revelation. Two things here, divine revelation 
and the divine selection of uh, leadership among his people. Specific tasks. Each task being important, as important as the other. And not all tasks are visible to the people who are part of the people of God. The important thing being that the servant obey what Yahweh has instructed him to do. And that in the, in the positions of ministry leadership, each portion, I won't call it each level because it doesn't mean that one is more important than the other. It just means that there are various levels or types of service and responsibility. Each one understands the other and they understand they're dependent upon one another. And when it works perfectly and when it works the way that it should, it is a beautiful thing. Now, we're not far from the murmuring, um, but it isn't by fault of anyone with regard to the organization of the thing that the people begin to murmur. It's through pride and, and selfishness and arrogance. We'll stop there and we'll be through tonight. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you for how when you called us into salvation, you equipped us for service. We thank you for that, Lord. We just pray to be used and to please you in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.